Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. So I am in Jerusalem as I record this podcast, and I want to give you a bit of a report from Jerusalem. You might hear just a little bit more background noise than normal because I'm not in our usual studio. But there are some reflections that I have from my time here that I think are very, very relevant for those of us who live in the States and are interested in how the U.S. is perceived from outside. And so I wanted to identify some of these for you in this podcast. First of all, it's very interesting that as uh, as unusual a figure as Donald Trump is perceived to be throughout the world, and particularly here in Israel, that there is some degree of encouragement about his, quote, out-of-the-box thinking, about his unusual, unusual approach to policy. And there's particular interest here in Israel about his unusual approach to the Israel-Palestinian conflict. Uh, on, on the very top of the fold, front page of the Jerusalem Post this morning uh, is an article about how Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, has said that Trump's thinking uh, out of the box, his out of the box thinking on the conflict between Israel and the Palestinians uh, is actually encouraging, that it actually points a pot to a possible uh, peace treaty, a possible peace agreement that might happen that has been stalled for the last 20 years. And so this kind of fits into a theme, you know, in the U.S., many Americans are actually encouraged by Trump because he's so unusual. He's so non-political. He's not the smooth, slick character that Obama was, uh, well-spoken, always on the teleprompter. Um, he's rough. Uh, he approaches things unusually. This this creates a lot of chaos. But in some cases, it seems to also be encouraging to some people that we're not going to have the same old, same old State Department ease, you know, same old uh, U.S. policies that there's going to be some creative thinking, some out-of-the-box thinking. And so that's quite the buzz here in Jerusalem amongst many of the people that I've been talking to. There's another issue that is very interesting to me as a historian, and that is, you know, in the U.S., we often treat history though it's as though it's at a distance from us. We don't tend to talk about historical things quite so much. In fact, there's quite a bit of ignorance of history amongst the um, average Americans on the street. Our schools don't do a great job of teaching history. They tend to teach uh, social studies more. Um, and surveys show that there's quite a bit of ignorance about our religion, about our national history, about the history of the world. And so it's been very, very interesting to be here and to be here particularly right at the time uh, when the world is marking the 100th anniversary of the Balfour Declaration. Now, I mean no insult, but take a moment to ask yourself, do you know what the Balfour Declaration is? Because in London, and uh, in Israel, it's been a huge issue. There have been protests. There have been statements by uh, leading politicians pro and con. There have been debates. There have been long TV shows and, and documentaries and Ken Burns-style treatments of these things. And so uh, this is something that I would guess, I don't mean to be insulting again, but the I would guess the average American doesn't really know much about. But the Balfour Declaration was a declaration around 1916, 1917, uh, uh, by a leading British statesman, James Balfour, Lord James Balfour, uh, who declared Britain's interest in a homeland for the Jews uh, in what is now modern Israel. And the statement also said that no violence should be done to the rights of, of the Arab residents of the era, uh, area. But um, 
this was one of the great documents, one of the great statements by a unit, European power uh, that guaranteed, that began to guarantee, or at least express the intent to guarantee, um, the persecuted Jews of the world a homeland and a homeland here in, in the uh, area that is now, of course, Israel. And uh, there had already been a Zionist movement. There had already been a return to the land movement going on in the 1800s. Jews were horribly persecuted in Russia and throughout Europe. This, of course, is well before uh, the Nazism of World War II. But but as the Dreyfus affair, for example, shows in the late 1800s in France, there was incredible uh, persecution of Jews and incredible anti-Semitism. And so for a leading British diplomat to make the statement uh, that his majesty's government uh, is very much invested in a homeland for the Jews, the return of the Jews to their land, uh, the claim of a historic homeland, and, um, and that, of course, that no violence should be done to the previous residents of that area, uh, meaning, again, the area that Israel's now in, some of that they would have been thinking in terms of some of what modern Jordan is and so on. Um, is what was very very powerful, and it and it fed a lot of British foreign policy. It rallied a lot of Jews in the states, and uh, received was was given it was met with great satisfaction by American politicians and statesmen. Um, and of course, throughout the world, this began to turn uh, the world's attention towards the idea of a homeland for the Jews and perhaps a nation for the Jews. Eventually, of course, in the wake of World War II, this happened uh, in 1948 um, with Israel being accepted as a nation and having a place amongst the nations. But what's interesting, and I think it's important for us to remember this as Americans, is that we we are not usually talking about history very much. In, in the U.S., we've been talking about history a bit more recently because we've been talking about taking down statues and uh, removing uh, any kind of monument that honors the uh, Confederate generals and things of that nature. But but usually, unless there's a movie, unless there's a Braveheart, unless there's a Seabiscuit, uh, unless there's something that pushes history to the fore, we don't tend to talk about it very much. And um, here I am in in Jerusalem, and I'm having to sidestep protests of the Balfour Declaration, which is a hundred years old, a hundred years old. Fascinating document. It's it's not very long at all. In fact, I think it was only 67 words, um, but very important. And I think it's important for us as Americans to remember that the world knows its history. In many cases, it's living on the cusp of history. I'll never forget seeing a group of ISIS warriors, a photograph of a group of ISIS warriors. And one of those warriors held up a sign that said the end of Sykes Pico. And I, I had to laugh because Sykes Pico is a very important treaty. It was a secret treaty amongst European powers during World War One uh, that basically carved up the Middle East and led to a lot of the problems that we have now. But I would guess, and again, I'm not trying to be insulting, I would guess that maybe 20% of Americans, maybe 10% of Americans would even know what that is. I would guess that most people in the world wouldn't know what Sykes Pico is. And there was an ISIS warrior holding up the sign, talking about something that was a hundred years, more than a hundred years old by the time I saw it. Very, very interesting. And it shows you that much of the world is living on the cusp of history that's important to them. And we should not forget this in the U.S. And for those of us who want to make a difference worldwide, we should very much uh, remember and know our history. The third thing I want to mention uh, that, that, I, that I think is important uh, is that here in Israel, the rising anti-Semitism in the U.S. is very much noted. And it made me more sensitive to it because, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not anti-Semitic. I don't have any friends who are. I don't even know any 
body who's anti-Semitic. I, I, I literally, um, I, though I though I certainly accept the statistics that the the pollsters and the and the organizations that pay attention to these things are giving us. I have to say. Um, Anti-Semitism is far removed from me. I attend churches that are the opposite of anti-Semitic. Um, I think in that in an opposite direction. Um, I I know this is gonna this is the old insult, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Many of my friends are Jewish. I mean, I just don't live in an anti-Semitic world at all. If I didn't have news reports putting it in front of my eyes, I wouldn't I wouldn't be anywhere near it. Um, but it, according to um, an, an article uh, in the in the Jerusalem Post this morning, and I've seen evidence of it elsewhere. Um, here and in, uh, in, in, in Jerusalem, as I've been reading the papers and paying attention to their press, um, there's been a 67% rise over the last year in anti-Semitic, um, anti-Semitic demonstrations, anti-Semitic attitudes, and boy, is that echoing here in Israel. So those of us, uh, those of you who are like me, who don't live near it, who don't share it, who who are opposed to it, we're going to need to be a bit more outspoken. I mean, I've been an outspoken advocate for the Kurds and for my African-American friends and for other causes, but I can't say that I've been very outspoken against anti-Semitism in the U.S., and that's not because I'm insensitive to it. It's because I, I'm so passionately the opposite, uh, and yet um, I'm just not in, in I don't feel like the battle is anywhere near me. I'm not saying I'm comfortable. I'm just saying um, I don't live where there are hotbeds of anti-Semitism. I'm not even 100% sure I'd know how to speak out against it other than in my, you know, the platform that I already have publicly. But we should be aware of this and we should be aware that it's affecting us worldwide. And then uh, finally, uh, I, th- I think it's very, very important for us to bear in mind that while Donald Trump's uniqueness and his approach uh, to some issues in the world and his nonconformist ways and his out-of-the-box thinking is an appeal, um, I will have to say that his character, uh, his instability, his, as one article said, his divorcing of morality from policy is very much having effect in the world. Whatever good his unique approach to policy, whatever good his conservatism, whatever good his um, his non-Obama-like, non-State Department scripted kind of approach to world affairs might be doing, the fact of the matter is that his character, uh, his seeming immorality, um, his crassness, um, his inconsistency, his lack of, as some one article said, personal principle, that's their evaluation, not mine, um, is, is, is a bit of a disillusioning factor. Uh, it's having an effect, deep effect on many world leaders. And it's, by the way, according to most polls I've seen, and certainly the commentary that I am reading and not just the Israeli papers, but as I travel around the world, I have a year that's heavy in international travel. So I'm paying a lot of attention to world press. And I can tell that the trend is very much towards a sense of disillusionment and a sense of loss of respect for America that this man is at the helm. I'm not making a political statement here. I'm just giving a report from the field and saying that whatever virtues there are to Donald Trump into his administration. And I, and as a conservative, I can say I think there are many, though I've been very clear about my uh, how Donald Trump disturbs me. The fact is what's going on in the world is a loss of U.S. prestige uh, because of this unusual figure named Donald Trump. And uh, some of us, some people who are American firsters uh, and make America great again, only kind of people focused on that direction may say, well, screw the nations. What difference does it make? We don't care what they think. But the fact is we are living in a global society. The fact is it does affect us. The fact is... Uh, perceived weakness in America does uh, embolden our enemies and uh, it does disillusion our friends and that will have an effect on our lives. So, report from Jerusalem. 
some important trends, some important things for us to know, some important things for us to arm ourselves with if we want to make a difference in the world. More next week. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.